Hello and welcome back to the Marvelous Cinema Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matthew. And I'm your local host, Henry. We're back this week following our double week adventure last time with the mm. Marvel... No, not Marvel, Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> it was our Star Wars run through. This time around, we, we're, we're stepping back from the big franchises. Mm-hmm. And we're focusing on alternate endings to yeah. films and TV shows. Yeah. How Although most of mine are films. Yeah, most of mine are. I think most of mine are films as well. Um, the one that I mentioned before we started about one that crossed my heart is the one TV show one that I have. Um, it's very exciting because <laughs> it's so depressing that it didn't happen. <laughs> oh, clues. Mm. Clues. Um, before we get started, I'd like to direct you to the Instagram at Marvelous Cinema Podcast, where we do reviews, and we might be starting to branch out into other things, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find us doing a similar thing on Twitter, at Cinema Marvelous. Yeah. If you want to leave a review, that would be massively helpful if you're on iTunes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can leave likes on SoundCloud. I'm not sure about Google, because I don't know how to work the interface. So if you are liking it on there, I have no idea. <laughs> if we've got so many fans on there, we've got no idea you exist. <laughs> mm, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, go check those out if you haven't already. Yeah. And we can dive into our alternate endings. Yeah. Would you like to go first? The honours are yours. I think for my first one, I want to talk about one that really crushed me when it happened. And then Is this a TV show? TV show, yeah. Um because the TV show ending that did happen was so, I had to like, it's one of those things where in my mind for a good like month or two, I used to like work out a way that it could like, it was like satisfying, but it just wasn't. So like I would, I would spend a lot of time thinking, well, no, it actually does make sense because if you do this, then you do this and it just makes sense. Um, but overall, it's like a really annoying ending. Um, I'm talking about the How I Met Your Mother ending. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, would you agree that it's not a good ending? Or at least... I um, I never really watched it. Mm, yeah. I've seen like little episodes here and there. Yeah. But I think it speaks volumes to the cultural impact that I, I know the ending and I know both endings. <laughs> I don't even yeah. need to research to know both of them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting case of. I think it's a prime example for me of trying to like subvert expectations, but like for no good reason. Um, like I read, I, I I didn't read. I heard recently about like the sort of the way they sort of sort of accidentally wrote themselves into a corner with it. Yeah, yeah. Because from what little I know, it's about Ted explaining to his kids how he met their mother. <laughs> Yeah, and like in the first season, it shows them explaining to the kids how yeah. obviously it's starting the conversation, but they didn't know how long they'd go for, so they had to film the ending then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because obviously if they'd filmed it in seven years' time, then the kids would have aged seven years. Yeah, in the process it's... of him telling the story. Yeah, and it's it's odd because. I think they could have gotten away with like just doing something different for the ending, and clearly they were going to do something different for the ending. But um, for those that don't know, the story is, of course, like 
Ted, when he's an older man and he's, we presume, married, um, is telling his kids about how he met his mother, how he met their mother. And it goes through a good, like, 10 years of his life and just, it's a sitcom so and it's very, the plot gets a lot, like, it gets, there's a lot more to the plot than just this one plot line. But um, the main, like, mystery is, number one, who is the mother? And number two, how do they meet? And um, it's a weird mystery because you wouldn't really think that you wouldn't really think that much of it. But the show is so like in- extremely like romantic and mysterious that you can only imagine like the biggest thing happening at the end. That's just the most amazing way of meeting the mother. So it kind of has this this one little kind of through line throughout the entire show of like how's it going to end? Um, and I think for a lot of people, like for me personally, I always felt like the show in its last few seasons, especially the last season, really went down in quality. Um, it wasn't terrible, but it was like the last season especially was they stretched out an entire week they spent at like the Hamptons when uh, Barney and uh, Robin were getting married. Um, so mm-hmm. it's an entire week where we don't go back to New York for the most part. And it's just random episodes that have nothing to do with the actual story we're being told um and for the most part the comedy is just lacking um and kind of just it's getting a bit flat um but I, I think if the ending was actually a good ending it could have easily been remembered as a good show overall um and i still think it is because the first five or six seasons are very good um but the ending of the show has this the actual ending that they did put on tv that is the official like actual canon ending i guess is um ted meets the mother and it's like an amazing moment and it's perfectly done and then they cut to the future version of ted and he's talking to the kids and the camera for the first time like reverses on reverses onto an older version of ted and he's talking and he's like so yeah in the space of like five minutes this happens by the way so in five minutes time in in the ending of the show Ted at the end just says, oh, and then the mother got cancer, and then we went to the hospital, and then she died after, like, a month. Um, And it's such a... It's not just, like, annoyingly not what you want to happen. (laughs) It's also kind of, like, the most, like, rushed version of how to do that, because the show could have easily, instead of of spending the last last, um, season being an entire week stretched out, for 20 episodes it could have easily been like the mother and ted meeting then the cancer and then her death like near the end and then the twist that the story was all because he wanted to convince his kids or at least help them with the idea that he might move on and um start a relationship with robin again um which it's it's all doesn't she marry um barney yes but also annoyingly in the last episode, which last to be fair, an hour, so it's not all in 20 minutes, but it's still like an hour episode where everything just changes in the space of 20 minutes, and we just move on. Um, they get divorced in the first half of the last episode, I think. Um, so we spent an entire week at their wedding, like an entire 20 episodes at their wedding, and then in the last episode, they get divorced. It's the weirdest choice i think i've ever seen a tv show make <laughs> um and there's been some weird choices like i know for a lot of people the game of thrones ending was really disappointing or whatever but i think for this like i think for me this hurt the most of like you did all this groundwork for no reason 
And it just made me like excited excited that season something that just didn't happen for some reason other than like shock value, I guess. Um and the alternative version, which I found to be much, much better, and I think more in tune in tune with the the entire show's kind of like optimistic, kind of romantic side compared to this weird, kind of depressing ending. Um the alternate ending is simply Ted and the mother meet and then we go to the future and Ted says it was all easy I just had to do this and then this and then this and it was kind of like a montage of the entire series up to the point where he finally in an actual scene that lasts for like five minutes or ten minutes he actually meets the mother and the last shot is like them talking and getting to know each other and like a train goes past and it cuts to black and it's like some really cool guitar music and it's really really happy and it makes actual sense <laughs> um, it doesn't just feel like someone just pulled a rock out from underneath you for no good reason um, it doesn't and the thing is I would be fine with them kind of, I wouldn't be fine but I think I would get used to it if the, um, the idea of Robin and Ted being a good match for each other was ever established but the show goes out of its way for a good five seasons telling you over and over again why Robin and Ted can't be together and and by the end, it's pretty like pretty well done point. Like it's a like it's a point that makes sense. It's, it's like a character of a Ted that defines his entire twenties. So mm. having it end with them getting back together with no real reason to, aside from nostalgia for the first season, I guess. Um it's just so it hurt me. It really did. Because <laughs> I was invested in the show for quite a long time. Um and if you asked Henry Murray for the past five years what he thought about How I Met Your Mother, I, I would probably just say I thought it was fine compared to ten years ago when I was I just loved the show a lot. Um, but yeah, it's it's one that hurt me, and I just wish they just went for the simpler, more yes, it's more satisfying. Therefore, you could argue that it's a bit more, bit more bland and just giving you what you want. But like, it's much better than the alternative of just destroying what you have built for 10 years <laughs> in 20 minutes like in 20 minutes they essentially just destroyed a good 10 years of television <laughs> yeah i think at the, at the time even if somebody didn't watch it i know it's gone down as that tv show that had the worst ending ever until game of thrones of course oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh yeah the cultural impact of that is large to underestimate yeah it really, it took me aback. <laughs> right. <laughs> do you want to move on to more? We can do. Um, I'm trying I, to find I, a happier one. Yeah. Shall we go for the alternate ending to Terminator 2? Oh, okay. I, do I you know a, about this one? I had this one down on my notes, yeah. 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 This, I didn't know about this until I did this research. Mm. And if it had actually happened, it would have completely changed Terminator. It would have, yeah, definitely. So, basically, it has... And I, I found it, and I watched it, and I, uh, I've i got what the little speech is written down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, immediately, pretty much straight after, on the clip, it cuts or fades from the moment when the Terminator goes down into the lava and dies, sacrificing himself. Yeah. And it fades straight to this sort of blue sky... And we hear Sarah Connor give a little monologue. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got it written down here. Do you want me to go through it? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. 
So she says, August 29th, 1997 came and went. Nothing much happened. Michael Jackson turned 40. <laughs> Which I'd, li- I'd like to also point out that in when you're looking back at films from the 80s, 90s, why are literally all the cultural references now inappropriate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's worked out that literally, I mean, obviously, I mean, Michael Jackson is sort of like a middle of the road controversial one. Yeah. But if I... you look at all the Home Alone films, why does it have to be Trump? Yeah, why? 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 Anyone else? <laughs> it always seems to be the way it works out. Yeah. Anyway, she says that. And then the camera pans down onto a typical futuristic looking Washington. Then mm-hmm. she says, There was no judgment day. People went to work as they always do, laughed, complained, watched TV, and made love. Um, and then it sort of panned to her children's. Um, playground, mm-hmm. and we see Linda Hamilton like speaking this into a tape recorder. Yeah, which is odd, considering she's literally sat by a kid children's playground, mm-hmm. talking about how the world ended. Yeah, no more questions. <laughs> he said, "I wanted to run through the street, ye- yelling to grab them all and say, every day from this day the gift use it well." Instead, I got drunk. That was thirty years ago. <laughs> but, but that dark future which never came still exists for me and it always will like the traces of a dream and then then we pan to a John Connor in the playground mm. looking looking like Reed Richards yeah I know the best. yeah he does with like the quaffed 80s hair <laughs> and grey sideburns yeah he's gone for an entire look I couldn't tell if it's the same actor from the future, I think it is. Yeah, just less scars. Yeah, <laughs> and he's playing with a little kid, and it says John fights the war differently than was foretold here <laughs> on the battlefield of the Senate. <laughs> His weapons are common sense and hope. Oh my God! Then little granddaughter little granddaughter runs over and gets her laces tied by Sarah Connor then yeah. runs back to Reed Richards um, and then she concludes with the luxury of hope was given to me by the Terminator because if a machine can learn the value of human life maybe we can too Terminator theme plays dum 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 I mean, I think the big thing here is not only is that just kind of a weird scene, but also like that would have changed how I don't even know if they could have made a sequel if that scene was stayed in. Um, yeah, it's like we I mentioned it before in one of the other episodes about um, James Cameron films. Is it James Cameron sequels make it nearly impossible to make a third one? Yeah. Even even like the the original to two ending is fairly concrete. Yeah, it's fairly. But this one, this one, literally burns all hope of a sequel. Yeah, it's kind of like saying, if anyone wants to take this away from me, they can't because in the end scene, I say, you can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because I think somehow, I think somehow in some way, they definitely would have found a way to make a sequel. <laughs> but 
It'd have been about little granddaughter Connor. Yeah, definitely. But it would have been interesting, at least to see a Terminator film, not be able to do Terminator 2 again, like because it would have had to do something different. Um, I guess that's the only way they could have done it. But also, like, why would you? <laughs> In a scene mm-hmm. where the character, the main character says, it definitely didn't happen. I am old now. John Connor has a kid. We're happy. Leave us alone. <laughs> um, yeah. But also, yeah, it's a weird scene in general, even by itself. Just Michael Jackson turns 40. <laughs> That's such a weird line. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know someone like did the maths on that? Like, um, I someone don't know. asked someone. How... <laughs> Let's do it now. What year would it have been? Because, I mean, judging by some of the buildings, you'd think maybe... You're looking at least 20, 20, 20 2030 from yeah. a from a nineteen eighties perspective. Mm. Because obviously, if you look if you look back and you've got you've got films like uh, Back to the Future, where there were big three D sharks and hoverboards and flying cars in the year twenty seventeen. Yeah. Or was it twenty fifteen? Twenty fifteen. Little did they know how far we would we wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so Michael Jackson. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That doesn't make any sense. What? Is he alive? No, no, because. Oh wait, no, never mind. <laughs> Research. Never mind. Now I've confused myself. Because he... obviously he'd attend forty in nineteen ninety-seven. Would he? Yeah, because I, 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 mis- I misinterpreted what she's saying. It's not She's not saying that Michael Jackson's 40 at that point in time. She's saying he turned 40 the year the year that the world was supposed to end. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. So now it makes more sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm guessing, I'm guessing, because since they used the same actor. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's supposed to be around the time that he would have been fighting the machines. Mm, yeah. So it would be about 2020. Either way. Solved. <laughs> that's, you know, that, that's the main talking point about this ending. <laughs> yeah. Michael Jackson, how old was he? <laughs> uh, James Cameron. I think, like, James Cameron's such an odd director for, like, he gets it so right, but every once in a while he gets it so wrong. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, um, I'm not going to be one of those people that says Avatar 2 will like go down in history as one of the worst films of all time, or it'll be bad at the box office. I trust that he will make a great film that will do a lot of money for some reason. But like, he's still like, you know, spending the last 10 years of his life underwater doing blue cat people movie <laughs> what, a, what a choice <laughs> and also a lot of a lot of when I was doing this research there are quite a few James Cameron films that had alternate endings that people had said were awful mm. which is another unusual thing well I've got one here have you what have you got I've got the alternate ending for Titanic ah yes yeah so, the ending of Titanic is 
it it sinks. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course. Oh, it's uh, fine. The icebergs wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. It was all a dream. It was all a big. They all woke up. Yeah, they all woke up <laughs> in heaven, in a limbo. Um, but yeah, the original. They all end... woke up on a on an island with a volcano. <laughs> yeah, after a plane crash somehow. Um, yeah, not not a boat crash. It's still a plane crash. <laughs> plane crash. <laughs> the original ending is essentially in the future, like the old woman on the ship and Bill Paxton. They're all having a nice time getting told the three-hour-long story of Titanic. And um, she, at the end, puts the big ruby uh, diamond thing into the ocean. And um, she essentially just says, oh, it's just a shame that it, no one will ever find it. <laughs> and and then I think she, like, dies in her sleep. And then we go into this, like, this heaven sequence where everyone's kind of, like, alive on the ship once again. And she meets Leonardo DiCaprio one last time in her heaven or dream state. Um, but the alternate ending is just like a really weird version of the same thing. It's like instead of like the woman, the woman old Rose, um, doing a little a somber kind of melancholy internal monologue to herself and then throwing the diamond in the ocean, instead she like climbs the mast. And then, like, goes to the top of the ship and then looks down at everyone and says something like, yeah, I've got the quote here. It's, um, only life is priceless and making each day count. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the entire speech that he gives. Um, and it's her from top of the mast screaming this, like an old woman just screaming this to Bill Paxton. Um, and the rest of the crew are just, like, running about, wondering what he's doing. And then she, like, Hoys, like she like really like full on throws this diamond into the sea. Um and then one of the crew members shouts like up towards her says, That really sucks, lady <laughs> <laughs> And then Bill Paxton apparently just laughs manically into the sky and that's it. I just think it's just an odd thing because it's essentially the same scene. Old lady puts Ruby or diamond thing into the into the ocean. Um, she eventually dies. People are happy with her because of the diamond, but Bill Paxson gets it because he's a romantic. Um, but having it be so like over the top, she climbs the the actual ship to the top and then throws it away and screams, "Each day is precious." That sucks, lady. <laughs> and then just I guess dies later on. Um, is insanely kind of like. How do you think this is going to happen? Like, how do you think this is going to play with an audience? Like, because it's just like a ridiculous way of doing the same thing. Um, and yeah, like Titanic and Terminator 2, um, similar things of like, essentially the same scene of the future is, un- we don't know what the future is, but Judgment Day is not happening. But like, just two very weird ways of going about it, like, just different. The same scene, but just weird, like just different in all the weirdest ways. <laughs> like old lady makeup, and John Connor's got a kid, and Michael Jackson's turned forty, and that sucks, lady. You know that sucks, lady. <laughs> um, yeah, it just like yeah, just a weird one. That I don't understand, honestly. <laughs> oh, Jim, I'm gonna do one that, again, another one that I had no idea about before doing this, and that is Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh, I've got this as well. 
This alternate ending is so undiehard mm-hmm. and yeah. borderline sadistic. Yeah. So in the in the actual film, um, Simon Gruber, Simon yeah Simon Gruber, yeah, uh, brother of Hans Gruber from the first one, played by Jeremy Irons, uh-huh. gets away after doing the heist thing, and I think it's something to do with the warehouse. John McClane and the police track him down to this warehouse. And he tries to make a breakaway in the helicopter, and he's, Jeremy Irons has got this big boy gun, <laughs> and he's shooting everything. And then John Connor, as John Connor does, he shoots like a telephone mast, mm. and the wire swings down and hits the helicopter, and Simon Gruber dies in a gloriously diehard fashion. <laughs> he does, yeah. Um, alternatively... Mm-hmm. We have this version where Simon's chilling at some sort of bar, mm-hmm. some sort of high society gentleman's club type thing, uh, and Mc- McLean wanders in with um, a Chinese rocket launcher wrapped <laughs> in a Christmas present. Because again, it's Christmas. Yeah, they brought it back. Uh, yeah, brought it back. Uh, John tells him that he's been fired from the NYPD, and then they pay, play like a Russian roulette slash. Simon says game called McLean says and basically Simon loses, shoots himself with the rocket launcher. Yeah. And then John stands up looking pretty pleased with himself and walks away. Yeah, that's it. Which is so undiehard. It's also quite dark for that character to like to do that. Um, it is. Like he's normally some quippy uh light hearted kind of character but this just seems really <laughs> mm. like he's went too far the wrong way <laughs> yeah um i won't lie i think in some ways i prefer this ending um i think it's more of like a fascination of like is the ending meant to be saying that john McLean has finally like turned to the dark side <laughs> like that's the way it, it reads to me because he's so you can, like, watch a scene on YouTube, I think. Um, mm-hmm, you can, yeah. And it's so, like, the way Bruce Willis plays it is so, like, he's lost all humanity. It's like, it's like there's nothing behind his eyes anymore. Um, and I think it's a dark ending for the, for the trilogy, at least. Um, and I kind of enjoy it on, like, a fascination level of, like, what could have been, at least. Because for me, I love the third Die Hard a lot. I think yeah, it, I really like it. To me, I the first Die Hard is like an amazing film that I can't get over. But I think the third one is the only one after that one that was ever kind of like on par in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, I agree. But the only criticism I really have of that film is the the final ten minutes where they go to a different uh, country and just blow up a helicopter, and it feels very. To me, it always felt a bit like last minute like stapled on um mm. like i mean even the way that they figure out where simon gruber went to was through like the painkiller the painkiller um pills like the bottle had like the the make on it um and it just it feels very kind of just we need we need to wrap this up now because the actual plot is over because of all the bombs that went off and all that so instead of having this weird thing where they escape certain death and all the terrorist bombing and all this sort of stuff and at the end, like I think maybe like it's a year later, or maybe like months later, maybe um, having him just find him in a random bar, 
and say, let's play Russian roulette with the with a rocket launcher. Is I think it's just so. I don't know. There's something about it that I just really like. <laughs> it's kind of odds in it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a bit of like a, a subversion of like the trope of seeing a character like go from being down on his luck to being up on his luck because he's making the choice to talk to his wife or whatever. Instead, it's like seeing a guy be so down on his luck that at the end he like succumbs to all these primal sort of Bruce Willis. <laughs> I want to kill some people instincts. <laughs> um, and yeah, I kind of enjoy it. And at the same time, similar to Terminator 2, if this was the ending, I can't imagine Die Hard 4 or 5 either would have happened or would have been in, in a similar vein of like what they were. Mm. Um, just because this ending has so many weird implications of the character um, that never really get answered. Um, yeah, because he always seems to actually be like a, a cop. Yeah, yeah. The only reason he's really in these scenarios is because he's trying to do his job. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, him going after Simon Gruber and just murdering him, it's, it's like a real personal vendetta. It, it's 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 the exact same thing that Simon did, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's what was happening. Yeah, um, which and... it also feels like a really left field kind of thing because you never. Throughout the trilogy, you're never building towards him going to the dark side, like you said. Yeah, yeah. There's never really any question as to his loyalty. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There's that. There's no build like build up to the idea that he might be going down this dark route. There's no build up like build up whatsoever, and I think that's what's so fascinating about it. <laughs> mm. Like knowing that they filmed this and thought that this would work before, <laughs> like I think a test screening probably happened, and they went. Oh, people just don't like this as an ending. <laughs> we should probably change it to an actual action scene, something like that. Um, mm. And I just find it interesting that they thought this would work. And and I think in a weird way, in a fascinating kind of what could have been where, for me, it does. That's <laughs> because mm. it's just weird. <laughs> like, imagine, imagine Return of the Jedi, but at the end, like, Luke Skywalker in... The last scene, I mean, like, after the Yub Nub song and all that, the last scene goes to find Emperor Palpatine's, like, almost dead corpse, and then just plays Russian roulette with a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> and then just walks out and goes, yippee <laughs> It's exactly it com- like that. <laughs> yeah, it completely changes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It kind of, like, makes you think, oh, we got the happy ending, but at what cost? Instead of, like, just the happy ending. Um, mm. Weird. I kind of I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an odd one. It's one like well, morbid curiosity kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to move on to my next one? Yeah, go on. What have you got? My next one is Terminator Salvation. Oh, uh, I had this one down as well. Yeah, this is quite a famous one, I think. Um, yeah. This is the one that I was just reading as you sort of as we sort of started the, the call. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think it's interesting because it's, it's a. I don't know. I'll read through it because I think it's best to like just read through what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the film's climax results in John Connor being seriously wounded, wounded, and the cyborg cyborg slash human Marcus offers offers his heart to be transplanted into Connor to save his life. It's a weird ending, and I don't quite like it. But meanwhile, I'm reading this by the way. Meanwhile, in the alternate ending, Connor actually does die. 
John Connor does die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Marcus offers up his body so that Connor's physical features can be transplanted onto his in order to fuel the rest of the human resistance that Connor is still alive. Um, after it's completed this operation, Marcus actually turns on, he actually turns on the remaining leaders of the resistance and kills them all. Later, later making Skynet the final winner in a human machine struggle. Um, apparently, Christine Bale and the director Nick G actually like prefer this version of the movie ending. Um, personally, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I don't actually know. How do you feel about it? I think it's. Oh. <laughs> it's just one of them. I just don't because if 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 it's a case of if that actually happened, mm-hmm. people would have gone mad. Oh yeah, definitely. People would have hated that. Like Terminator Salvation, as it is, isn't really hated. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not hated. It's just not liked. It's just middle of the road it's not really it's not terrible and it's not amazing it's a forgettable thing yeah it's not like salvation which not not salvation sorry it's not like genesis which almost everybody hates genesis <laughs> don't forget of course how, how could i forget <laughs> um so having him just sort of telling everybody it feels like something that you'd want to watch out of curiosity Mm-hmm. But if that yeah. was the actual ending, I don't. I'm, I'm not really sure. It's interesting. I think in retrospect, in that Terminator Genesis um, decided to have John Connor be a, a cyborg killer thing in that film, um, mm. kind of like taking this idea and making it the entire film. Um, so I think it might have came from that actually. This ending. Um, but I think Terminator, Terminator Salvation, out of all the Terminator sequels, aside from maybe Dark Fate, is the only one that I kind of look at and go, at least you tried. Um, you know, kind of like Terminator mm. 3 is just Terminator 2 again. Um, Terminator Genesis is just this same Terminator 2 kind of thing, but with maximum time travel stuff. Um, and Dark Fate is a solid attempt at doing a new spin on the same thing. But I think Terminator Salvation at least is kind of like the one where I look at it and kind of go that there was something a different idea, like a different take on the same on the same world. Um, mm. So this ending I think would have further kind of let, this ending would have had like a further kind of I don't know, like balls to it of like oh you would you were doing some like status quo shifting things um and i kind of admire it for that kind of but it's also kind of depressing because the movie yeah. is the movie is also saying that cyborg cyborgs or machines can't learn human like sympathy or empathy like the same way in terminator 2 like they can't get over the fact that they're programmed to kill people or whatever um so it's kind of like saying terminator 2's entire kind of theme or whatever you want to call it didn't really matter because in this film, we see a Terminator literally take on the mantle of John Connor and totally succumb to just being a murderer of humans because it's in their programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of like undercutting your own series of movies. Movies. Um, would you agree with that? Because I just yeah. don't... Uh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I think you wouldn't mind it. I, I was thinking that 
I think a better way of doing it would be to sort of hybridize the two endings. Mm. Like have John Connor die and then have the face on put put the face on whatever his name is, Marcus. Yeah. But have it end there. Yeah. I have Marcus just take over as the leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like in that you have you have like a, a bold ending in killing John Connor, but you also protect the integrity of what Terminator is. Yeah. Like you ultimately have the Terminator take over from John Connor. Because mm-hmm. also, if you have the Terminator, then kill everybody. Because on this here, it says, um, he said he would kill his allies, including Kyle Reese. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. Because they were actually friends in the movie. <laughs> yeah. From memory. Yeah. Kind of yeah, that, and the fact that it, Kyle Reese still needs to be sent back in time. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because, like, like time travel gets complicated. <laughs> but if you were to think about it like this, you could do this if there was a time travel element already in this film. Yeah. Because if you think about it, this section, this section of the timeline mm-hmm. is completely uninterrupted by time travel. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, in, in, like, in Terminator 1, Terminator 2, even Terminator 3, and Dark Fate, the mm. timeline changes and events change because they send somebody back in time and that disrupts things. Yeah. But nothing disrupts the war itself. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't make sense that Kyle isn't sent back. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's definitely a it's kind of to a certain extent like a world breaking ending of like, well now we've you've got so many questions now that you have to answer in some sort of sequel but i don't even want to see the sequel because this movie is not very good um <laughs> yeah i kind of yeah i think I, I admire it but i don't actually like it um yeah i admire I the balls on it yeah i admire the fact that they did something different but you know in the end didn't actually do anything different um so it would be nice to see this i guess um mm-hmm. yeah want to move on i can do i'm gonna go with the film that i haven't actually seen Oh, okay. I know the ending too. It is a horror film called The Descent. Okay, I haven't seen this either. Um, I'm basically I'm picking on this. I wouldn't normally pick on a film I haven't seen, but I'm picking on this because for some people the alternate ending was the one they actually saw. Oh, okay. Um, basically, it's a horror film from. Let me have a look at the year. Um, The Descent from 2005. It's a it's a low budget thing. It's Reviewed quite well. It's quite popular. It is written and directed by Neil Marshall, who you may recognise as directing um, the wonderful Hellboy remake. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I hate that film with every fibre of my body. Fair enough. (laughs) He also did a film called Dog Soldiers. I've heard that. That's got um, Thingy Pertwee in it. Sean Pertwee. Sure. <laughs> um, again, if you haven't seen like, Gotham or anything like that, you have no reason. Mm. Basically, The Descent, um, I'll read this little synopsis for you. Um, a woman goes on vacation with her friends after her husband and her daughter in, uh, encounter a tragic accident. One year later, she goes hiking with her friends and they get trapped in a cave. With lack of supplies, they struggle to survive and meet strange, bloodthirsty creatures. 
Mm. It's one of these films that you know people like because it's um, really claustrophobic, really sort of intense horror. Yeah. Um, it was sort of around 2005, so you have a lot of horror films sort of revolutionising things, taking it in new directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so basically, the main character is essentially the last one left. Right. Um, of the group of girls, they all get murdered and slaughtered by these strange creatures that are with them in the cave. Um, and basically, it ends. It ends with, like, set to a certain point, they get exactly the same film. If we start a sentence again, <laughs> so basically, she sort of climbs out of the cave. And it's a really dramatic, she's scraping along uh, bones of corpses and she's scraping her way up and she triumphantly sort of rips her way out of the cave and onto the ground and she starts running and running and running and she gets to a car and I think there's a final jump scare. Mm. However, if you live if you live in the US and you saw a film in the US, the film ended there. Oh, okay. The film ended with her escaping. Right. However, I think I've got this the right way around. If you saw it in the UK or in Europe, mm-hmm. that still happened, but with the jump scare, it cuts back to her waking up in the cave. Oh, okay. And she like, sees a hallucination of her daughter, who I think is dead. Okay. So the implication obviously being that that escape never actually happened. She imagined it. Huh. But it's also sort of done in a way that, um, like, the point where she wakes up after the after the sort of the, after the hallucination, I think, is like how she wakes up before she escapes in the dream. If that makes sense. Right. Okay. I think. Yeah. I know what you mean. So she could still escape, basically. Yeah. But the final shot is her waking up. She hallucinates, sees her daughter, and all that the creatures are crawling towards the kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it ends. That's interesting. Um, so depending on what side of the uh, Atlantic you're on. <laughs> and also there's a sequel, which wasn't directed by Neil Marshall, mm-hmm. which uh, is a direct sequel, which uses the US ending. Oh, okay. So that's a canon ending, I guess. I guess so. Um, Which, but technically speaking, that t- still technically could happen with the ending that U- UK and uh, European audiences saw because it's implied that she could still escape. Yeah, okay. I always have a a weird thing with endings or even just plot beats where someone wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> it's always kind of like a well, why are we doing this then? Um, other than, like, I don't know, dream sequences where we learn more about a character or, or there's some sort of exposition sort of thing happening, I get why it would happen. But when you have, like, a the ending of your film be a dream, it's kind of like, well, why, why are we doing it? Aside from just pure shock value of, like, it didn't actually happen. Um, mm. It's... Even like with Joker, I guess is a similar thing of like the ending somewhat implying that it's all kind of a a dream inside of a prison situation, a mental hospital situation. It's kind of like 
well, if it is that, then why are we... I just don't like it in general. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't... I, I guess I prefer the US version. Um, hmm. Do you prefer the US version or the... I I I'd say if I if I had to pick one, I mean, I'd have a massive emotional attachment to it, but... Yeah. <laughs> if I was to pick one, I'd probably say... Probably say the US one. Yeah. I'd rather have her escape because I think it would also fit the tone of the harrowing sort of journey and yeah, eventually she's eventually escaped. And also if your character if the end in the other ending it's implied that she can still escape the same way, then why not just have her escape that way to begin with? <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a weird one. I don't know. That's just a weird one in general. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, speaking of you mentioning the dream thing, there's this. This isn't. This isn't like. This isn't an alternate ending. But um, have you ever heard of Dallas? Dallas. It's a like a sort of sort of American soap thing that was on during the eighties. Yeah, I think I've heard of it. No, I don't know have what you, it is. Heard have you it. heard of the famous Jr. thing? No. So don't there's think. a character in it. One of the main characters is called Jr. Mm-hmm. And. In one of the series, is I think it's one of the end of the series. I have no, I have no idea on the specifics, but he gets shot getting out of the shower, right? And he dies, right? And the big thing is that for the next, again, this is this is major spoilers, by the way. If you intend on watching Dallas, yeah, it's true. I think there's a remake of it. Um, I should also say that there are also spoilers throughout all this, and I'll put time codes in the description <laughs> if you want to skip. <laughs> because you uh, don't want things to get spoiled. Basically, the next season, uh, the whole plot point is who shot Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, the whole point is who shot Jr. And you find out who did it, and then Jr.'s wife all of a sudden wakes up, and Jr. comes out of the shower and isn't shot. <laughs> 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 I think that's incredible because they spent so long explaining the plot of who killed them only to have a dream. <laughs> mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. I can't I think, right, alongside the um the old soap opera amnesia plot, I think aside from that, waking up from a dream is probably like the laziest thing I can think of for a writer to do. Um, I think it works if you allude to it but don't actually do it. Um, mm. But other than that, when you actually have someone wake up and then all of your writing and direction and acting is all irrelevant, <laughs> it's the worst choice. <laughs> I really hate it a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to move on? Yeah, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next one. It's actually quite a recent film, quite a popular film mm-hmm. in Marvel Universe. Um, so there's an alternate ending, kind of, for um, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Oh, I heard this. Yeah. This is really uh, sad. It is, yeah. It's quite um, melancholy, at least, because it's the end, The original ending. It's quite an upbeat kind of blockbuster, fuck yeah, ending. The family's together, Gamora and Peter might be a bit more than just friends. Rocket and Groot are back together. The entire family's there. Drax is on board. We're all, we're all going to have 
a bit of good, a bit of bad, a bit of both sort of thing. Um, I think the Jackson Five song is playing. Um, it's very happy. It's very like happy, amazing kind of like yes ending. Um, but the alternate ending was, I think it was going to be the similar thing of like that exact same scene, but it would then cut to um, Pierre Quill's. I think his uncle might be his granddad. Um, I think it's his granddad. Yeah. yeah. It's the guy you see at the start. Yeah. Yeah, it's granddad. Um, grand- Grandpa Quill. <laughs> um, it's him, like, in, like, near the hospital, like, the outside part of the, os- the hospital where the film started, where Peter Quill was abducted, abducted by aliens and then had this entire adventure. Uh, um, but in this scene, we see him 20, 30 years later. And it's the same grandpa looking at a photo of Peter Quill as a kid and looking to the sky. And it's implied that he did, in fact, see Peter Quill leave, um, be abducted by aliens in the first scene in the film. And therefore, he's been waiting to see him ever since. And I imagine the implication as well was the guilt he would feel of being entrusted with, I imagine, his daughter's, um, his daughter's son and not like literally the moment he dies he loses he loses him um to aliens <laughs> um mm-hmm. which is it's a very sad ending it's a very kind of like oh that's that's interesting <laughs> um it's kind of like a this happy ending you're all going on the ride for and the entire journey and the the colorful and the the weird and the wonderful at the same time as that you know there was his granddad sitting alone on the bench, really sad about losing his grandchild. Um, and then quoting James Gunn himself, the reason they cut it was, it was freaking sad, so we took it out. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I would agree. Uh, it doesn't really suit the ending of the film either. Um, it only has... I think it kind of also implies like a future storyline where Peter comes to Earth and, you know has a like a relationship with his grandfather and all that sort of stuff um which is a good idea but knowing where guardians volume 2 went and endgame and infinity war went it would be a bit strange in the back of your mind seeing these characters grow closer and then the entire arc of the second film was then becoming an actual family um um and having in the back of your mind but peter has a real family waiting for him he was just waiting in hospital for him <laughs> for mm. 20, 30 years. Um, yeah. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, I'd agree. It's, it doesn't quite suit the ending. I mean, I know towards the end you have quite a few melancholy moments with the tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, having the granddad there is a little too much in that yeah. direction. Like It sort of undermines the happier found family element. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is ultimately a lot of what Guardians and quite a lot of the wider MCU, but specifically the Guardians films, is quite a lot about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you say, it would it'd be completely different to the story we get in Guardians Two. Mm-hmm. That being said, I I still think it's a direction that maybe they could go, but not not as like a wide narrative thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, I know the actor that plays his granddad is one of James Gunn's friends. Oh, oh. Like he's one of them ones because um, he's in that horror film that he made, that Sliver. Mm-hmm. He's in that as well. Mm. I'm pretty sure they're they're mates. Yeah. Um. So you know, it still could happen, and obviously, 
with the ending of Endgame, that's like the first time Quill's been back on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we, we didn't really get to see that. But I think obviously the story with Ego and Yondu is vastly superior to what that little alternate ending slice implies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just... I think it casts like a weird shadow on the rest of the franchise of like knowing that there's someone waiting for him that he's just not... He's just ignoring for the entirety of the films. Um, yeah, it's quite a... It's just a bit weird. Um, and also, yeah. like James Gunn said, a bit sad. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't... I don't mind it. I think if it had been included, I feel like they would have had to do something about it. Um, yeah. and knowing James Good, it, it would have been something good, I imagine. Hmm. But it's just, it's just a bit weird, and it's kind of like having. I always kind of hate it when the end of the end of the actual film that you're watching is a bit of like a sequel kind of thing of like the last shot. The like the last shot is like. Oh, twist! The person's alive or dead or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's always a bit like, well, now you've just made this entire thing for me to come to the next one, um, which is always a bit of an iffy area of like, are you actually tell- telling me a story or are you just wanting me to come back to spend more money <laughs> on the same thing? Yeah, uh, stuff like that should be reserved for things like post-credit scenes. Yeah, I think there's a good, a weird sort of accepted separation between actual narrative and the post credit scene mm-hmm. um and i think having it yeah i think i mean if this scene was actually a post credit scene i don't think i would have minded it at all um i think it would have been quite a yeah kind of a melancholy sort of thing but they would have done i imagine something with it later on if they put it there to begin with um but yeah, yeah. this is a post credit scene and not an actual ending i think mm. uh, but yeah, do I move yeah. on? Okay. We can do. That's all. Uh, so I've also got sort of like a semi-famous alternate ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Alien. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So people who don't know, um, so on the actual ending of the film, she escapes into the escape pod to find the Xenomorph with where they're using its big old, big old head <laughs> to disguise itself in the sort of pipes to the side. Yeah. Um, and then it, there's a bit of a, bit of a kerfuffle. Kerfuffle, yeah. <laughs> um, in, the, in the shuttle, and it ends up getting a bit crispy outside in the engine. <laughs> in this alternate ending that Ridley Scott wants to go for, the alien would kill and eat Ripley, mm-hmm. and then it would imitate her voice. Oh, Okay. <laughs> um, on the radio, and it would say, I'm, I'm coming to Earth, or I'm on my way, or Mayday, or something like that. Yeah. To basically get, make make its way back onto Earth. Yeah. Um, and that would be a really, really odd ending. <laughs> it, it would definitely be more of a horrific ending than mm-hmm. the actual kind of somewhat heroic ending. Um. Mm-hmm. It would be more in line with your slashes, wouldn't it? Of the, yeah, yeah. Of the 70s and 80s where you think they've escaped. Oh, wait, no, they haven't. Yeah, it's They're definitely... They're dead. Yeah, it's definitely like a... Kind of like in tune with the actual genre than it actually ended up being. Uh, but similar to Terminator 2, I think it's like a thing of like... 
this would have changed the entire franchise going forward and before they even knew it was going to be a franchise to begin with um like to uh, aliens and alien free and whatever like they couldn't they couldn't have had ripley in those films um so it's kind of like you got to imagine like what it would have been uh, if they went down this road because it changed the entire thing <laughs> um really um because um, that first film we all talk about, but Ripley's not really the main character until the last half an hour. Mm, exactly, uh, yeah. So it's not that much of a that much of a big deal in the first film if she yeah. dies at the end. But yeah, the... I think it would. If you had just watched that first film, I think it would feel it wouldn't feel as much of a gut punch. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it happened at the end of Aliens, which technically speaking, it did. <laughs> yeah. Um, if it happened at the end of Aliens, then he'd be a lot sadder because obviously he spent more time with Ripley because she becomes more of a, a protagonist and a central character in a, in the sequel. Mm-hmm. But maybe it would fit the way in which the characters are treated in Alien on its own, because a lot yeah. of the characters are sort of introduced as maybe the protagonists or central characters and then killed. Mm-hmm. Like you sort of have. You have Kane. Kane take a prominent role when he behaves like an absolute idiot and sticks his head over an alien egg. <laughs> and then you sort of have Ill. Dallas take over, and then Ripley takes over when Dallas is killed. Yeah. Because you also have, the, and in terms of alternate aspects to Alien, you also have the thing where she finds Dallas in the alien's lair. Yeah, implying like a new. Like the way that they eat and renew themselves is like kind of different than we would expect compared to the actual like theatrical um, run. But yeah, it's looking back, it's an odd ending. But if it had happened at the time, you'd have maybe thought nothing of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, do you have another one? Uh, my next one, kind of a big one, because like if this was different, then it would have been so much different going forward. Um, Return of the Jedi. Um, mm, yeah. Originally, was was a much more of a, a darker film, and not really like a an ending, like a trilogy ending thing. It was more so just the next chapter, and it was a bit more dark than the last one. Um, in this alternate ending, um, Harrison Ford has talked about this a lot. He wanted Han Solo to die. Mm-hmm. From this, it would have given. It would have been like I imagine it would have been like a. A sacrificial sort of death in like a heroic sort of way, yeah. Uh, which, in his opinion, and I kind of, I kind of agree, um, would have given the film a bit more of an emotional weight to it, instead of being the last fun adventure sort of thing. Because um, I, I talked about it in my review on Instagram that's at Marvel Cinema Podcast. Plug. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, Return of Jedi. I like the film a lot, but I feel like Hannah Leia do nothing the entire runtime aside from just plot beats that are just stuff, you know, random stuff to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I think like him, him dying would have been would just would have been something, I guess. Um, but as well as this, Luke would have been traumatized by his encounter with Palpatine, Palpatine and his father, and I think he, I think it was going to be that. Either Luke killed Vader and then put on Vader's mask and then said, I am Vader. <laughs> uh, or he just joined the dark side and 
was just another pupil of Darth Vader or of the Palpatine. Um, so that was essentially the, the ending would have been Leia was going to be the only one that was still kind of a pure good character and she was going with the Alliance on her own, uh, losing Luke to the dark side and losing Han to actual like death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think overall they decided that it was just too dark of an ending to of this not only just this is like a the trilogy, but it's like as a film, it's too dark as a film in general. Um, to have your main hero for two films go to the dark side and solo the charming the charming like uh, rogue famous popular character killed and then Leia being the only one that's even remotely the same character we may have known her as um going away for the with the alliance. Um and for me, I, I it's a weird one because it would have I kind of to a certain extent like this. <laughs> uh, I think it would have definitely have changed the entire saga. And I definitely think that episode seven, eight, nine or one, two, three or whatever would have happened. Um would have definitely have taken a a new main character sort of perspective, I think. I think Leia would have been the main character. Or at least the new there is another character like that that line in Price Tracks Back. Mm-hmm. Originally it wasn't meant to be later. It was meant to be someone else, like just a different Jedi person. Um so I think I think um the next film will have definitely been this new Jedi character, or at least Leia and this new Jedi character, um, going to save Luke from the dark side or kill Vader or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, undeniably this would have been so much different than what we got and how Star Wars for the last for the past like forty years has went. Yeah, cause I mean, if um, you had that as the ending, you could you could argue that maybe there wouldn't have been like a gap between nineteen eighty three and nineteen ninety nine and the Phantom Menace. Yeah. If if that had been the ending to what was then just the third film in the trilogy, it maybe would have continued in a more sequel vein. Yeah, you know, five years later, you could have had just episode four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially having the sequel trilogy, what thirty years before it actually happened. Yeah, it would have been like a. I think it would have definitely like kind of serial uh, serialized the entire franchise a bit more, um, because it would have been. I can only imagine it would have been like every three years we we would have gotten a new, new Star Wars film. Um, rather than a trilogy this decade, then two decades later we get a new trilogy, then a decade later we get the next one. Um, which, personally, I always find, I think it's one of the most fascinating things about the franchise. It's like having um, films made in the time when it was almost impossible to make these films, um, and then have it be in the 90s and 2000s when it was like a new technology rising, and then this this new era of like, CGI practical effects and we've got all got a bit of nostalgia for the past and all this sort of stuff. I think it adds a lot of a lot of kind of um, kind of difference in every trilogy that we get. Like the prequels are not the originals and the originals are not the sequels. <laughs> mm. uh, but on this, it, with this sort of third film, I think it would have been a franchise where it was very much a constant kind of continuation going for like a, quite a long time. Um, I mean, you could say maybe even wouldn't have been as special as it is now. 
Maybe, yeah. Because if you'd have had like a straight continuation, like you said, in a more serialized manner, maybe people would have had fatigue with it. Yeah, maybe. Um, Whereas if you have if you have the trilogy finished there, you have it go out on pretty much you have like a happy ending and that people enjoyed the ending, people liked it. Mm-hmm. People accepted that, that was it. And then sixteen years later you had a little bit of add on. Yeah. Alternatively on the flip side, maybe if you had carried on straight away and had the alternate ending, maybe we wouldn't have the fractionalized fan base that we have now. Yeah. The whole re- the whole problem with it is that you have fans who are the three different generations who grew up on three different trilogies. Yeah. Um and I think um without that little gap I think the gap in between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace is probably oddly the most important part of the entire franchise. Um because I think that little kind of two decade gap or two and one and a half decade gap. Uh, it's kind of like the the entire time was like it allowed the first trilogy to kind of be ingrained within these people and kind of make it into like its own mythology even though it was at the time was just free free movies that came out in the summer um Mm. you know people would people would like hand down these movies to, to their children in this 10 to 15 year gap of actual content being made and then with that came you know, now, because I've recently I've been seeing a lot of people um, um, uploading, I think, like, CGI cutscenes from Knights of the Old Republic and saying, why can't the sequels have uh, lightsaber fights like this? Um, and similarly, you get people from the original trilogy fans kind of saying, why can't, why are the new films so uh, nostalgic, um, kind of braving forward or whatever? And it's all kind of, like, from this disjointed, like, the original fans want this, and the new fans want this, and the middle ones and the prequels want this, and then it's all kind of a big like mess of like different, different generations just clashing with each other of like what this should be um, compared to as much as it's like it's a, this is a darker ending, or well, not an ending, but a chapter in the story. Um, it would have been just weird to see a, a fran- this franchise continue and not stop until like we might have got episode 9 or 10 or whatever, the last episode in 1998, you know, that could have been the last Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is just, giving our perspective now, it's just fascinating to think about, it, like, how different it could have been. Um, you, you, like, you could have had, you know, if, if, we, if we're talking about it completely hypothetically, you could, if the sequel, if the prequel trilogy wasn't there, would people have held George Lucas in a higher regard? Yeah, maybe, maybe. And um, you, you've maybe had all nine episodes under the supervision of George Lucas, mm-hmm. which you uh, know, is what a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, some vocal people now think is the best thing. Yeah. It's, again, I think it's interesting, not to go too far into Star Wars again, but I mm. think it's interesting that um, for me, as like a non Star Wars fan for a good 15, 14 years of my life, um, it was fascinating that even I knew that George Lucas was was a hated person by many people, um, mm. sort of ruining, I think, all the franchise franchise that he was a part of at some point apparently. Um, and I just knew about him being the guy that made so many great things, and then in the last ten years, apparently just destroyed it all. So it's fascinating 
hearing now in 2020 that the new villain, I guess, is Kathleen Kennedy and the new hero is George Lucas and we're seeing him be, like, redeemed, I guess, is kind of, I guess, like, it's in the narrative in many people's heads, um, even though it's kind of like a ridiculous thing of even, I mean, this person just made what they wanted to make and whether we were happy or unhappy with it doesn't make him a villain or a hero or whatever. Um, it's just weird that that's what ended up, ended up happening happening uh, compared to an ongoing franchise that just happened to be a film that came out every three years, you know? Mm-hmm. Like a James Bond thing. Yeah, could it, yeah, it could have been that for a while. Um, that would, would have been fascinating, honestly. <laughs> Alternate history, eh? Yeah. Different timelines, eh? Someone should make a film about that. You know, like you have... You have what happened if the Nazis won the Second World War. <laughs> we should have what happened if the sequel trilogy came out in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the prequels came out in the 70s. <laughs> I know. Mad. Yeah. Ah, oh, God. Star Wars. Do you want to move on? <laughs> we can do. And now on to quite a few which I've just sort of mentioned the name of. Mm, yeah. Um, I suppose you could talk about um, Army of Darkness. I've got this one down as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think we probably, yeah, uh, because there's, there's a certain, a set certain amount of these, probably got them from the same sources. I think we did, yeah. <laughs> um, so I have again. It's actually a film I haven't seen, but I'm sort of familiar right. with it. If that makes sense. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see it because it's you know it's Raimi. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I understand is that in the actual ending, um. Oh my god, I've forgotten his name. Bruce Campbell? Yeah, Bruce Campbell's character's name. Ash. Ash. Yes. Ash, yes, Ash. So Ash is transported back to the modern day. And he kills some possessed people in a shop. Mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it does, yeah. Um but this alternate ending would be that he's not sort of magically transported back to the present. It's that he has to take a potion that makes him sleep for thousands of years. Mm. But Ash being Ash takes too much and ends up <laughs> in the future yeah. where everything has been destroyed. Yep, he does. <laughs> um, it's... Which I know that ending is... I think he did film that ending. But that yeah, ending did... is definitively non-canon because of the TV show. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Which, I need to see the second and third season of that. Yeah, same. I've, I only I've, yeah, I've only watched the first season and I really enjoyed it. Same, yeah. Um, I think I think for me, because I did see this ending, I watched it because I loved the film a lot when I first saw it about two years ago. I think they were showing it on TV and for some reason they were showing the actual version, like, I don't know what they call it, like, the actual, this army of darkness, and then they were called. They were showing Army of Darkness, the director's cut. Um, and literally two nights in a row, I watched this same film, <laughs> hence because I really liked it, and I thought it would be interesting to see, interesting to see the differences side by side, essentially. Um, and definitely the biggest point was definitely the ending. Um, prefer the ending where he is in the shop and he kills some new uh, deadites. Um, that's and, it. That's the name. Yeah, deadites. Uh, <laughs> and. I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it. I, don't, I do think it's very, it's very much a Raimi sort of uh, 
the over-the-top humour sort of moment of him going too far in the future and screaming to the camera. Um, and I think it totally suits the tone of the movie. I just kind of prefer the the idea that he goes back in time, goes back to present time, and all these kind of, like, abilities that he's, abilities that he's kind of um, acquired over the years in this horrific hellscape of the Deadite book or whatever, the Book of the Dead and all that, um, has come into some sort of use with actual modern life. Um it's kind of a nice little note to end on of anything. Um, it's also this really well directed. Like the last moment is just so well directed. It's this this maximum energy sort of like thing of like it's like a big light behind. Actually, stands really proudly with with a new gun in a chain show. Uh, and then like he does this whole thing where he says, I think he says groovy again, and then he just shoots something. Um, they and like the camera's doing its all whiz bang thing. Um, and I think it's just, it's just a really good strong get hype sort of way to end the entire trilogy uh, compared to it kind of it is funny but it is kind of oh okay that's it it's kind of really <laughs> sad yes again sort of like a sad kind of bittersweet sort of and then we never saw him again until the tv show that made it not canon <laughs> um, so yeah i prefer the other version the more kind of maximum energy fun version i guess um mm. yeah yeah, I would say I'd prefer the the ending where he ends up actually back in his own time because it feels it has a better sense of reward. I mean, obviously, I know the whole point of several of the films, the several wackinesses, is that mm-hmm. it keeps on getting worse and worse for him. Yeah, uh, I, I like that on like a comedic and a narrative level, but I feel like you have to have that reward at the end of it. Mm-hmm. It that reward of he's done it, he's made it back. It kind of feels like more like a hero's journey that he's came back to his own time and he's learned new things that are going to help him going forward. Mm. Uh, even though like it's completely ridiculous that he's learned how to use a shotgun, therefore he can kill zombies better. <laughs> that is that is big new skill. Um, but I think it's more kind of a it's it's it still has that thing of like it's still getting worse for him. Like he came back to his own time and the deadites still haven't left him alone. Um, it's still kind of that same through line of like it just gets worse but at the same time having him kind of be more confident this time around is an actually kind of like a satisfying sort of oh there's a reason for all this kind of ending <laughs> in, a, mm. in a very small way but I think it works better than just a wacky time travel thing yeah do you have another one? Uh, I, haven't, I think I've got only got one left and it's Blade Runner this film has so many different like cuts and edits and different director cuts and assembly cuts and whatever. Um, yeah. The final cut, the 4K final cut. <laughs> um, there's so many different versions of it. Um, I think the only one that I watched, the actual, I think that Ridley Scott approved, this is the actual version of the movie that I want everyone to see, is uh, I think it's the final cut. I think it's called that. Um or maybe it's called the director. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I think the one I've seen is the director's cut. Yeah, I think it's the one that he likes the most, and therefore I will go with it. <laughs> yeah, um, I think the one I've seen is the one with the unicorn dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His, yeah. His version has all the unicorns and all the dreams and all the, the random shit you want. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, in the original ending... Or at least the the cinema released kind of ending. Um, it was a way more kind of like a neat little ball 
kind of happy ending uh, where Deckard and Rachel um, they got into their little car and then they went into the countryside (laughs) Um, so for the first time in this movie steeped in noir tech noir and neon and overcrowded streets and all that we end with the countryside um, from very like very reminiscent of actual present day Earth, um, and it's it's also just kind of weird that behind the scenes of this was it's also is unused footage from The Shining that Stanley Kubrick shot. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, like the shots of um, the landscapes and the and like the the fields of green grass and all that at the end is unused footage from The Shining. Really. <laughs> Yeah, don't really know why, but it is that. Um, so they used that, and then at the same time used some really bad voiceover that Harrison Ford did bad on purpose because he thought that they wouldn't use it because it was that bad. Um, uh, voiceover. Oh, Harrison. Yeah, <laughs> voiceover from Harrison Ford, and it's just him, like, it's him almost comically saying things like, and then we escaped the world of the noir, and then we went to the idyllic land of the heaven and the garden of eden and ooh, we had a good time <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a, it's a weird kind of almost wacky ending like it seems like a joke almost like i i honestly expect deckard like to wake up from this at the end <laughs> like it's all a dream um but no it's a, it's just a weird ending that was like i think a lot of blade runner was steeped in the first at least the first like release of it was kind of steeped in the idea that the studio was very afraid of like people not getting what the movie was about um, and panicking and like adding all this narration, exposition and colouring differences and different ending and uh, it's just so many different things that explained the entire thing to you all the time because they were so afraid that no one would get it and no one would go see it. Um, and yeah, I don't like this ending at all. I hate it so much. <laughs> would you agree? Yeah, I much prefer the um, the director's cut, I guess. Yeah. There was more ambiguity into it. I feel like it having an on-the-nose ending like that is almost a betrayal of what's come before it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I get why people might prefer it. Yeah. You know, it's a happy ending. Um, but for me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't suit the story that's just been told. Yeah, it's kind of a... It feels like similar to even, to a certain extent, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy ending, I guess. It's kind of like a weird, like, out-of-nowhere ending. Or Die Hard of a Vengeance. Kind of like, oh, now it's dark. Oh, no, now it's light. Or, like, sort of thing. It's like a... It's weird, yeah. And I just don't... I think it's also weird that, looking back on it, me as someone that has only been born in the past 20 years, <laughs> I my, in my mind, for the longest time, the ending of this film was always the... The door shut on Rachel and Deckard as they go into the elevator, and their future is uncertain, and we don't know if Deckard is a replicant or not. Um, mm. Yeah, it's all in my mind. That's, that's like an iconic ending, and I think learning that this film came out in cinemas originally, and this was the ending that everyone saw, is so weird to me, <laughs> um, because like the actual ending that is canon or whatever you want to call it now, is so kind of iconic as well. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. Don't like it. <laughs> that's um, it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, all, all that I have left is a few like um, sentences for relatively simple ones. 
Oh, okay. Perhaps even obvious ones, the ones I've got left. Now, perhaps the one, the one that everybody talks about when it comes to an alternate film ending in I Am Legend. Oh, yeah. Because that, that's the first film where I, I learned about the whole idea of an alternate ending. Yeah, like someone decided to just change the ending last minute. <laughs> Mm, yeah, the, the younger younger Matthew was blown away by such a such an idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so people, I, I think, I think a lot of people know that. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a popular kind of like a everyone, at least everyone, kind of kind of knows about it. You know, mm, it's, it's it's like a case of the ending is the alternate ending is so much better than the actual one. <laughs> Yeah, so much better. <laughs> um, again, for people that don't know, the theatrical one ends with him pulling the pin on a grenade and running into the vampires. Mm-hmm. Whereas the theatrical one is much more symbolic in that it ends with him handing over the body of a female vampire thing. Yeah. And yeah. again, I don't even if they are vampires in the film, I know in the book they're vampires. I think it's an implied kind of-ish. Yeah. I don't think they obviously share different similar traits even because they only come out at night and all that yeah anyway so i've got that one i, I would imagine are you, the, are you the same in that the alternate one you think is better I, yeah I, I agree with that i think the ending that wasn't put there is better than the actual ending um another one is for a tv show i haven't seen called dexter never have i i won't spoil it then <laughs> Um, but it's it's a fairly if you, if you Google it if you want to know if you can Google it and it's a fairly common well known one. And the other one I had is Breaking Bad. Oh, which I haven't mentioned because it's not it's not a massively different ending. Mm-hmm. But it would just end with it's basically the same, but Walter White breaking Jesse out of a prison. Okay, but they changed it because. It was more of a. If you go down that route, you have it more in that Walter White's completely bad because he's mowing down innocent jail guards. Oh, okay. With the machine gun, and they want him to have a more of a. A subtle way of doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. He wants yeah. to have a more redemptive arc, and so instead he mows down neo Nazis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that that is everything I've got. Mm. Oh, um, Ram- uh, Rambo First Blood. Oh, yeah. He I shoots know. himself. <laughs> no more sequels. <laughs> Another case of like the other franchises we went through where things would have been very different. Yeah, would have been people. I know. People would be devastated if they were robbed of Sylvester Stallone riding through the desert and mowing down Afghans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I'm pretty sure he fights alongside the Taliban in one film. Yeah, he kind of, before the Taliban were a thing, he was definitely <laughs> fighting with with the Taliban. <laughs> oh, Stallone. <laughs> Have you seen the last one, by the way? Yeah, uh, the new one, like the. Yeah, the Blast Blood, whatever it's called. No. Have you? No, I ain't seen it. I've heard bad things. Yeah. Which is odd because I actually thought the trailer was quite decent. It looked like a bit like a a Logan sort of thing. Mm, it did. Yeah. Apparently, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it was shit. 
Um, yeah. Mm. That kind of brings us to the end, unless you do have yeah. another one. I think I've got all mine. I've gone through all mine, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Quite a short one. Yeah, I guess it is, yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you have listened, we greatly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We hope we've made it all the way through. It's a slightly shorter one than normal. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you have, be sure to follow us, like us, give us a review, as I said. We love those things. We do. Can't get enough of them. <laughs> Providing they're good. Mm-hmm. Although constructive criticism, we're also a fan of that. We hate it so much. <laughs> so, yes, uh, thank you for listening. If you want more, you can go over to Instagram. You can find uh, our reviews of Marvel, Star Wars, anything. I'm going through The Walking Dead at the moment. Mm-hmm. Henry's doing some rom-coms some random ones yeah <laughs> um, yeah so yeah at Marvelous Cinema Podcast on Instagram and at Cinema Marvelous at Twitter mm-hmm. I have been your co-host Matthew and I have been your co-host Henry bye 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 <laughs>